Good morning. All right. Learning to follow Jesus in a crazy world. Would you agree we are in crazy times? And I'm just so glad that you're here. I just want to piggyback. And Pastor Brian does such a great job as Pastor Scott of just, you know, making us feel welcome. But I just want to say once, we are so glad that you're here. Because I know there's a thousand things you could be doing. But this is most important of worshiping the Lord. So I'm really, really glad. Aren't you glad to be saved I mean, those of you that have given your heart to Jesus Christ, you are saved, man. It is a done deal. Jesus' work on the cross, his death, his resurrection, you've received him. You are saved, man. You are now following Jesus. And our passion here at MVCC is we want to grab as many people as we can on our way to heaven. And we're so, we understand who we are. We understand that we are lost. Jesus found us. We get saved. And now we want everybody to know that. But we also want for you, for every single one of us here, to have the helpful help to keep following Jesus in a crazy mixed up world. And so that's one of the reasons we gather. That's why we do what we do, because we want to do what Jesus told us to do. We want to help everybody to become a follower, a disciple of Christ. And so, so glad that you're here. And if you don't know Christ yet, or maybe you're checking church out, or, you know, we need to get a little religion. I've been thinking about the Bible. Maybe there is a God. If you're here, you don't even believe in God. I am so glad that you're here, because we want to help you maybe see that there are possibly is a God. And he's not just out there. He loves you. He wants a personal relationship with you. And we're just really, really glad you're here. I I want so much for each of us here to feel like this is home. This is family. This is not just a building we come to. It's not just a service, but we want to connect with you. And one of the ways that we want to do that is fellowshipping, eating together. We have a lunch right after the service. And if you've been thinking, you know, we really want to make MVCC our home. We think we want to plant some roots here. We want it to be, you know, where we are getting our spiritual nourishment. We're serving here. We really want you to come to the lunch. It's right after the service in the fellowship center. If you didn't register, it's okay. There's plenty of room. I won't eat my sandwich, so you can have mine. But um, we, we just genuinely really want you to come. And there's full-on child children's ministry There's also lunch for our children, so please, please come to that. It's called Starting Point. Really want you to be there. As you know, in family, there are times where um, just different seasons of life within family. And so um, we have just graciously been so, like, thankful for one of our staff members here, Pastor Stephanie, for this last seven years. She has given her heart, her soul. She's given everything to your children And uh, we are so grateful, but she just felt like it was time for her to just say goodbye, to close this chapter of life uh, for her. And so um, camps, retreats, Wednesday night, mission kids, Sunday morning, big God stories, worship, service projects, um, food, um, ice cream socials, swim parties, all the things that she's been doing with our kids. And I will tell you that she loves your kids, your grandkids here at MVCC. And I know that your kids are better because we have an amazing leader who's been with us for seven years. I will tell you this, um, that she not only is here for the ministry and for your children, but she personally goes to the soccer games, the little league games, the recitals to be with your child and let them know there's somebody that really cares for you here at MVCC. And I'm just so glad that we have someone who gave 110% of her heart to the kids here. And so um, thank you, Stephanie, so much. Wow. 
I'm just at Stephanie, would you just come for a moment to just, um, I know she just wanted to share her heart with all of you for a moment here. So important. Thank you, well, Stephanie. Well, 11 o'clock is my favorite because I did not get that at first service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, gosh, thank you all for letting me hang out with your kids, um, letting me be a part of your family. It is my greatest honor to serve Jesus, number one, but to be able to be here and to pour into um, your children, your grandchildren, um, to help build that faith foundation and be a part of their spiritual formation as they uh, learn to grow and, and love Jesus. It's just been the greatest honor uh, of my life. And so I just want to thank Pastor Mike and especially Pastor Brian. Um, if you don't like me, it's his fault that I'm here. He's the one that <laughs> recruited and brought me here. But thank you both so much for the opportunity to serve on an amazing team. Um, Pastor Scott, Pastor Robert, um, Mark, everybody has just been amazing. And so uh, I'm excited for this next step of faith and journey that, that I'm on. And, uh, I just love you guys. Um, I'll see you at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> I know one of the highlights of Stephanie's life is that she met her spouse here at NBCC and got married. So we're just grateful that you have Troy in your life. If you haven't met a guy named Troy here, Troy Deweese, he is just He's just a servant. He just serves. And one of the things that every time I look at Troy, I see, God, you are amazing. Because I know his past life and what he came through and what God did in his life. It's just absolutely an amazing story. So we're grateful that you guys have a special bond together for life. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but um, I am always looking for the active presence of God. I want to hear his voice. And, and I know that God is constantly speaking, but I want to be listening. I want to be fine-tuning to hear him and sense him and be willing to do whatever he wants me to do. And I know that in a world where there's so many voices and there's competing avenues for us, it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to really see him for who he is and catch a glimpse of his glory. So today we're going to be talking about listening, but we're out of Luke chapter 9, so if you have your Bibles, I just want you to hold a reference there. We'll get there in just a second. Luke 9, we're going to start in verse 28. We're going to verse 50. We'll see how far we can get. But I've just been enjoying so much being with you around the word and just walking verse by verse, chapter by chapter, the whole counsel of God. We've been in Luke. He's just a great writer. He's a passionate follower of Jesus. And we've caught a glimpse of a doctor's view, as Dr. Luke was, uh, of who Jesus is. When I was in junior high, anybody here remember those days at, at junior high? You're just trying to figure everything out. You know, you're trying to figure out who am I? What is my purpose? What am I doing? Am I going to make it through second period? Um, that's just kind of an awkward time. And I remember she came through third, third period class in English. And I remember she walked through and I was sitting just positioned in a perfect place where every morning in third uh, period, I would see Lisa come through. And I just, I was enamored with her. I was in love with her. I had, you know, these visions. We're going to get married and we're going to live a big house on a hill and raise goats. And we're just gonna everything's life is gonna be wonderful she's the love of my life she's my soulmate junior high right and so um i remember passing a note because the dance was coming up the last uh, school year dance so i was passing a note to my friend and he passed it and he passed it and he passed it and i figured out all this you know the train of where this note was going to go to finally get to lisa so as i finally got there she opened it up and said will you go to the dance with me and so she writes something down and it's getting passed you know as the teacher is talking i'm like i hope it's a yes i hope it's a yes and so it comes back to me i open it up and it says yes I'm like, yes, yes. No, 
the dance in junior high is crazy because everybody stands there. The guys are on one side, the girls on one side, and nobody ever dances. I mean, that's how junior high is, right? But the last dance, everybody dances the last dance. So I'm dancing with Lisa, you know, I'm there, and it's this present moment. It's just incredible. And so after this is over, of course, in junior high, you can't drive, so mom and dad picks you up. So her parents came to pick her up, right? You know, right in front of Nagel Hills Junior High School. And as she's getting into the car, I said, I'll see you tomorrow, right, Lisa? You know, hoping that this is something big here, right? And so um, she gets up out of the seat where she was, and she gave me a kiss right here. Now, now, well, I thought that would excite you more than this. Wow. I had experienced the presence of Lisa, but now I experienced the active presence. The active presence is different than just being present. Jesus promised us that he would always be with us, right? There are many times in the Bible, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we know that he's with us, but I want more than just knowing that he's there. I want the active presence. I want to catch a glimpse I want to catch such a spiritual glimpse of who he is to experience, even just for a moment, his power, his majesty, his glory, his perfection, his holiness, and everything that he is. I hope this morning you're on the spiritual edge of your seat, because God, I so much want you to show up. And the active presence is a very real thing. It's not something that's just, we read about it in history books, we read about it in the Old Testament. That was nice for them. The active presence of God is real waiting to be experienced by anyone who would go there i believe that with all my heart it can be driving down the road i had a brother tell me years ago he was literally driving to arizona he had to pull off the side of the road because he was so in a moment of god you love me tears streaming down his face he couldn't continue to drive he needed to step off and turn off the ignition and just be there in god's presence of god I don't know why you love me. I don't deserve it. He was explaining this whole thing. That's the presence, a glimpse of his glory. It can happen when you're in a life group and and someone will say something or there's a worship song or someone reads a verse and you're just captivated. God's presence is so real. It can be in a worship service of any kind or a Bible study or something where you just feel this overwhelming experience that God, you are for me. You don't hate me. You've forgiven me. I'm so glad God, he comes in ways that are unexplainable. In fact, There are often times I have sensed the presence of God. You cannot explain it. It's hard to put it into words. This is almighty God. He has visited you. He has given you a glimpse. I've seen people in Africa when we were there with nothing but a pasteboard over their head in pelting rain. The glory of God was in that moment. He was so powerful because there were hungry hearts that were saying, I don't care about anything else other than God. And I'll tell you, my biggest fear, my biggest concern in our Western Christian culture is that we got God figured out. We are so expecting of God, you're going to do this at the nine o'clock service and the 1117, this is going to happen, or this is supposed to happen this way, or we pray to God and we expect God to do it our way when God comes unexpectedly and he always does it his way, even though we may often not like it. There was a special guest speaker at a business conference And she was traveling from California to to Texas. And she traveled. She caught some flights, uh, layover flights. And it was just a tiring uh, uh, journey to finally get over to where the convention was. She was one of the main speakers. As she got there, about 6 o'clock at night, there was a ride that came from the airport, from the convention, to pick her up to take her to the hotel. As she got to the hotel, she said, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for picking me up. I really appreciate it. But I just got to get some sleep. Have you ever had one of those days where you just 8 o'clock at night... 
I mean, I'm a night owl, man. I only need about five, six hours sleep. But there's some moments where I just, I just need to sleep for 10 hours. And that was one of those nights that so she went to sleep that night, 2 a.m. There it came, man. A train came barreling right next to where the hotel was. She woke up that morning, went to the conference, ready to speak, do it all over again, come back to the hotel. Another just night that was sleepless. And so I've got to get some sleep. She laid down that night, 2 a.m. That train came roaring by again. As the, her ride came to pick her up that morning, she said, I, I don't know if you know this, but at 2 a.m., this train comes roaring by right where my bedroom is. And the driver said to her, I am so sorry. I forgot to tell you this, that we who live in this town This is a normal thing, and we often don't even hear it anymore. You know, I got to thinking that sometimes our faith is like that. That we can be so complacent, placed in our comfort zone, that the presence of God can come roaring by, and we may miss it because, well, I don't want you, I don't want us as a community of faith to miss a glimpse of God's power, his glory, his holiness. It will change you forever. It will change your perspective. He will come to you in such a way that's so unexpected that it changes our perspective. It changes our life. It, it feels like, God, you're never going to leave me ever. God's almighty power, it's real. If you want to just make a couple of references, we're not talking about a good feeling. We're not talking about goosebumps. We're not talking about hair standing up on our neck. We're just talking about God's presence that real, that moves me to action. It moves me to want to obey. It does no good to just have a present feeling with God. It, it, it must move me. It must launch me to action. It must launch me, God, to do what you've called me to do. In Mark 14, 61 and 62, I just want to give you some references about the power and the presence of Jesus is a real thing. But Jesus walked si- made silent and made no reply, he said to the high priest. Then the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one, Jesus? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man sitting at the place of power of God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Leviticus chapter 9, Moses came down from the mountain. Who, remember, he was in the cleft of the rock, and God says, I'll allow you to see my back, but you cannot see me face to face. There is no human being that could ever be face to face with God. And here's what Leviticus 9 says. Then Moses and Aaron went into the temple, and when they came out, they blessed the people of God, and the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and they fell face down to the ground. The entire community of faith for just a moment, they were in the very presence of God Almighty because Moses and Aaron had humbled themselves and asked God, come, we need a visitation from you. In 1 Kings 8, the completion of the temple finally was done And when the priest came out, verse 10, of the holy place, only the priests could go into the holy place. A thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not continue their service. Watch this. They could not continue their message. They couldn't continue the sermon. They couldn't continue their duties because of the cloud for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. The presence of God will wreck you. It'll change you. 
It, it'll, it'll invade your life. It'll give you a whole new perspective of how wonderful God is. But my fear is the train is going by and we just always hear the train and we miss him. This just a couple of more. Numbers chapter 16, the people brought burnt offerings to God. That was their norm. That was the way God set it up. But meanwhile, in verse 19, Korah and, had stirred up the entire community against Moses and Aaron. There was faction in the ranks. There was a faction, a division in the family. They were going after Moses, the leader, and all that gathered to the tabernacle entrance. Now watch this. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to the whole community. It might not be a perfect surrounding. There might be someone who's trying to divide and conquer, but that cannot stop God's presence, his active presence, and his glory. In Numbers chapter 20, Moses and Aaron find themselves face down before God. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle, tabernacle where they fell face down to the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community of faith. I want you to take Missionville Christian Church as the people watch. Speak to the rock over there and it will, be, it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. God is saying, if you trust me, I'll provide everything you need and I'll give you my glory. Philippians chapter two, last one. This is about the second coming of Jesus. And I'm just so in awe of the word of God that one day he is coming back. He is coming back. He promised he would be here. And I'm looking for that coming. Philippians chapter two, verse 13. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to who? The glory of Everything is always about God's glory. I want you to see the pattern in the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's about God's presence. It's about him getting credit. God gets the glory. It's not about us. It's all about him. 330 plus prophecies fulfilled about the first coming of Jesus Christ as a helpless little baby in Bethlehem. 1,500 prophecies to be fulfilled about his second coming to earth. And one out of every 25 verses is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Luke couldn't contain himself under the power of the Holy Spirit as he wrote in chapter 12, 17, 18, and 21, makes a reference of the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, this is gonna be a glorious day. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know him. We want you to get right with God. And we'd be the first people to say, we're not always right with God, but we're positionally received Christ and now we're saved. We're not saved because of good things we do. We're not saved because we're good people. Nobody's good enough. That's what makes God so good. He's perfect and I'll take his perfection anytime. God's active presence and listening to him and obeying him, I want you to go with me. I want you to go with me to the mountaintop. You ready to go? Jesus takes three, three of his students, Peter, James, and John. And when Jesus came into this area, they were in a moral free fall, social and moral practices of the day. They were looking for a hero. They were looking for someone to save them. And when the disciples found Jesus, I should say, when Jesus found them, transformation happened. They got to see God face to face. They were with him. Think about this for a moment. They ate with him. They heard him teach. They saw the miracles. They got to pass out the the, the five loaves and two fish, 20,000 people. They got to be the hands and feet of a miracle that fed everybody in that moment. And they found Jesus Christ. Eight days had passed from when we looked at last week, Pastor Zach gave a great message about Peter's confession. I believe, he said, you are the Christ, you are the son of God, and I believe in you. 
Jesus' next words to Peter were, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Only my Father in heaven could have revealed that to you. Meaning that tells me the active presence of God was all over Peter. For him to be able to see what God saw and be able to verbalize. He was the only disciple that was willing to step up to the plate, take a swing and say, you are the Christ. Man, give me people who are bold for Jesus Christ. Give me somebody courageous, God. Give me a church that's not afraid to do something in our community for Christ. Give us a church that's willing to be with the dying, the lost, and the least. I don't want to be in my comfortable chair and just stay there. God, catapult me into some type of obedience where I get to see your glory. That's where Peter and James and John, you ready to go? They don't know exactly where it was. It was around the Sea of Galilee. And there's a picture here that I just want to give you some context. The land, this is a modern day picture, but just, I just want you to see with me. The land was beautiful. It was lush. And there was a place for everybody around the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus says, Peter, James, and John, we got to go. So let's read this text. We're in Luke 9, verse 28. About eight days later, remember after Peter had given his confession. Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. Isn't it interesting that when we pray, something begins to happen, right? And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem, meaning the cross. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. And when they woke up, they saw Jesus. Glory and the two men standing with them. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying. You ever been like that? blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's just make three shelters as a memorial. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time, what they had seen. Peter, James, and John, why? I Sorry, I ask myself questions whenever I read the Bible because I got a lot of questions. Why was it Peter, James, and John that got to go? Why didn't he take the whole 12? I don't know. My speculation is this, is that Peter, James, and John, he had a plan, Jesus did, for them that they were going to be in leadership. Let me just say this. When you step out and say, God, I think you're calling me to be a leader, There's a preparatory, there's a purpose, there's a place, there's a journey that Jesus is going to take you through that sometimes is in a glorious mountaintop experience and sometimes it's at its deepest valley because God, I believe, tests us, wants us to see, are you really with me down in the valley, not just on the mountaintop? Peter, James, and John were in preparation for leadership. Come on, boys, we're going up. Now, there's three things here as we read this text that I see very clearly. One is Jesus' identity is revealed. Would you agree? Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine being there? All of a sudden, his, his face is white like lightning. His clothes are like shining. The Greek word there is like the sun in all of its radiance, in all of its perfection. 
we also see the destiny of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God in flesh, born of a virgin Mary. He is God in human form. He physically died on a cross. He physically came back to life three days later. We know that that is his identity. Anybody that tries to mess around with those core things that the Bible teaches is way off base. The Bible's really clear of who he is, which tells me that we need to be clear of who we are. When you find Jesus, man, you find your identity. You were created for a purpose, to love him, to serve him. And then the relationships down here and horizontally, they make more sense. Amen? Number two is this, his destiny. His destiny was come to come and die on the cross. Did we read that text? His destiny was go to Jerusalem. It was not just to party, hang out, be here forever. He knew he was going to be crucified. He knew that he was going to be beaten. He knew that the, that the, the Roman soldiers were going to torture him near death even. I don't know if anybody's seen uh, the Passion of the Christ, but I think Mel Gibson got pretty close to what the Romans did. They made a sport out of torturing people and crucifying them. It's horrible what Jesus... I walked away from that movie, just tears streaming down my face. Of God, you did that for me. You love me that much. I must be of some value to you, God. The third thing that I see here out of this experience on the mountaintop is Jesus' authority. He is God. No question. If he is God, if you're here maybe seeking or you have questions, if he is God, then I really encourage you to ask him to reveal himself to you. He will. If he is God, then everything he said is true. There, there, there is no going with the wind on moral issues within our society. There are absolutes in the Bible. It's there. Now, we love people with grace and mercy, but we certainly have convictions that come from God. They're not from our own. They are convictions that come from him. This beautiful narrative, this account, this is not a story. This is an account. This really happened. Peter, James, and John, the inner circle. Why three? In Deuteronomy 19.15, just a side reference here that any kind of experience that happened so-called with God, there needed to be two or three witnesses. So that's why I think Moses and Elijah show up, which we'll talk about that in a second. I think also Peter, James, and John were there, not only for leadership purposes, but God needed them to see with a witness. If there's only one person, you're not going to believe what happened. We saw Jesus. He was God. He is God. You're not going to believe it. People say, you're right. I don't believe it. But wait, Peter, James, and John, you all saw the same thing? You see where God is such, he's such in perfect order, isn't he? Sorry, kid. I didn't mean to wake you up. I should probably be more quiet when I preach. Maybe I should just stand here and just, I, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. We have a wonderful nursery here for you. It's okay. And it's okay if you stay right there. We're so glad we have children. Children are important to God. While Jesus was praying, Moses and Elijah appear. This is so cool. Moses was the law giver. To Jews that saw Moses, he is the man. He went up on the mountain, got the Ten Commandments, actually 613 laws that the Jews had to follow just to be in covenant with God. God set up that law because he wanted us to know there are standards, there are rules. You must follow my word. But I know that you can never live up to every one of my standards. That's why you need the Messiah. That's why you need my son. God was setting everything up through Moses who brought down the law and Elijah who was 
the representative of all the prophets of the Old Testament, all the men and women that God used to bring forth the word to the Israelites, they are now standing as bookends. Jesus is the center of everything. If you're watching online, you can put that in the chat. Jesus is the center of everything. If you took the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi and you saw it as a uh, hourglass, we're gonna tip it sideways. The centerpiece of where that sand goes through, that's where the cross is. The Old Testament is a look forward to Jesus's cross, to his resurrection. The New Testament is a look back to Jesus and the cross and also a look forward to the coming reigning king that he will be. He will restore everything. And then man, we get to go to heaven. So I just, I want you to see that in the previous verse, if you have your Bible, the previous verse that we read, Jesus says, some of you, will not pass away till you see the kingdom of God. I think he was making reference to Peter, James, and John. You guys are going to get a glimpse of who I really am. Don't you love when you go to the movies and you get to see the trailers of what's coming? I don't know, last year I saw the trailer come out for Maverick, Top Gun. I love that movie. That was so cool. I was in high school during that time. That was like the movie, man. But just knowing that the trailer, a little teaser about just a glimpse just, just a quick glimpse of, of Jesus sometimes gives us a quick glimpse, that train that's going by we don't want to miss. Listen, listen, the voice from heaven says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. I don't know what it is about our culture, but there's something here in the OC that just grates on me, and it's don't tell me what to do. Do you hear that? Do you sense that? Not all you, you all, you good people, you do what Jesus tells you. I struggle with, God, don't tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. We just kind of have that in us, don't we? Our children from the time that they're, you know, born. Don't tell me what to do. And it's worse here where we live. Part of the reason I believe God keeps me in this place is to beat the OC out of us, man. Because God wants us to be humble. He wants us to have a listening ear. Not, I don't have all the answers. I need you, God. The best place you can be is to say, God, I absolutely need you. I cannot do this on my own. I don't want to turn to the bottle anymore. I don't want to do prescription drugs. I don't, I don't want to do things to try and fill that cup because it only lasts for a little while. I want something eternal. I want something substantive. I want something that's going to last forever and ever and ever. And Jesus is the only one. When you get hooked up with Jesus, you don't need all the other stuff. Jesus is enough. He is my portion, right? The book of Psalms tells us. And I love Peter's response, getting back to the narrative here. I mean, can you imagine watching all of this unfold? All the law, all the prophets, Moses and Elijah, which aren't you encouraged that when we get to heaven, because this is in the afterlife, you're going to recognize all of your loved ones in heaven. Aren't you glad for that? Isn't that great? So grandma, sister, whoever, you know, went on to be with the Lord, you're going to recognize them. God's got it all worked out. They're in their perfect state. But I love Peter's response. I just, I, I have to say I'm sorry because I just find myself a little bit like Peter. My mouth gets going before my mind catches up. And before, and we even read the text, before he even figures out what he's saying, let's just build monuments. Let's build a tent. Let's build a structure. Really what Peter's saying, and I've heard some sermons on this, that kind of bashing Peter. How could Peter ask, for the, Peter ask for this? I think he asked for this because he so saw God, he wanted to stay there. Let's just live here. Let's build tents and just, can we just stay up here, Jesus? I don't want to go back down to the valley. Some of the students go to Hume Lake every summer. It's coming up. 
junior high, high school, young adults, Hume Lake, it's an entire week, children's camp. It's not just about fun and games and feeding their faces and getting away from mom and dad. It's about getting away with God. It's about shutting down all of the phones, everything social media shut down. They worship God twice a day. They get to hear Bible studies. They get community. And I'll tell you, these kids come back. They come back with Jesus Christ here, not just here. They come back with Jesus here. You want your kid to have a passion for God? Send them to the youth ministry. Bring them here Wednesday night. Kids need community. That's all Peter was asking for. You got to get in a life group. There's community there. This was a mini life group. I don't think they would have experienced if Peter was by himself. He was Peter, James, and John. And Moses and Elijah, let's just stay here, God. But we can't. I will tell you this. There have been some Sundays over the years that I have been so grateful that I get to be your pastor. We got great pastors with us on staff here who genuinely love you, love God. Just we're in such a good place. And there have been some Sundays. It doesn't come often. But just the, the, the worship seems to, to hit, seems to connect. And everybody's in unity. We're singing. And God does something in the heavenlies where he, he brings himself down. His presence is so powerful. I just feel like God's got a hold of my heart. Even the notes that I prepared, some of it, God wanted to go in a different direction. And then some people come forward and receive Christ for the first time. Or someone comes forward and asking for prayer to be healed. And God will do something. Or God gave me a word today. And all those things are happening. It's like God brings a glimpse of his glory, man. And I will tell you, I have stayed here. Everybody's gone. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this moment. It always doesn't happen that way. But my prayer for you is that when he says, let's go, you won't miss the moment to go to the mountain. Now, I, I, we're all with Peter, amen? Aren't you with him? Of course we'd want to be there. Jesus, we got to go down. So they make their hike down. And let's read now what happens down in the valley. The next day, the next day, how fast things can change. After they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. And a man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child, an evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. Begged, I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, oh, you faithless, corrupt people, how long must I be with you how, and put up with you? Then he said to the man, bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and then gave him back to his father. Wow. You know, I don't want to say here in just a few minutes that I have left. How much time do I have, Pastor Brian? Two minutes? I have two minutes. <laughs> Jesus is on the mountaintop with us, man. I want you to go there. I want you to be open to have those moments. Don't let the train pass you by and be ready to go. The reason that Peter, James, and John went because they were listening and they had a humble heart. You cannot come to God with a prideful heart. You cannot come to God, well, I'll just give you half my heart or part of my life. You gotta give him the whole ball of wax. And don't be afraid of that. He's not gonna take away things out of your life that are really meaningful. He's gonna put so many good things there. But here's the thing I want us to see. 
is that just as God's glory, his presence was on the mountaintop, it's the same Jesus who was down in the valley with the evil spirit. I think what we've conditioned ourselves to think is that in this horrible situation in life where I don't have answers, I cannot figure this thing out. I have tried and tried and tried. There's no answers. I feel like I'm helpless. I can't do anything. I can't make this right. God can always come through, not the way that we want him to do it, but the way that he wants to do it. As much as he was on the mountain, he is down in the valley with you. He does not leave you. And his glory was still in the valley in the middle of that evil spirit. I want you to just climb into this nightmare of this father. Can you imagine having a child that's racked with a demonic? Can you imagine having your child foaming at the mouth, rolling all over the ground in convulsions, and you've tried every, you've gone to every doctor, you've gone to the hospital, you've gone to the psych ward, you've done everything possible. There's nothing we can do. But Jesus is coming down from the mountain. I need Jesus. I need him. God, if there's something you could do, God, please heal my boy. Isn't it interesting that as soon as Jesus stepped up to the plate, he, can, he threw himself into a violent convulsion. And that's just the devil. He starts acting a fool as soon as he knows Jesus is in the house. It's just one last ditch effort to make himself known. But Jesus is never intimidated. Jesus is never afraid. And he calls forth that demon out of that child. And all of a sudden he's healed. Can you imagine the embraces? Can you imagine that father holding his son? I just, I just don't want to pass by that too quickly without getting into that moment. Jesus is with you at the mountain and in the valley. So, question is, how do we recognize? I want to ask you to step in with me to some action points. I want so much, when we teach here at MVCC, I want you to get the meat of the word. I want you to learn. It's one good thing, God, I've learned today. God, you spoke to my heart. But the real, real fact of the matter is, what are we going to do with what we learned? That's why we want to have these points to... God, this is what I believe you're calling me. And if it's just one of these, you clamp onto that and you do it and you trust God. Jesus' presence can be found on the mountain and down in the valley. Amen? Our identity, our identity can be found in worshiping him and getting into his presence. This is not just a church service. It's not just a service where we come to to sit in some chairs in a building. I thank God. For, this is about worshiping God Almighty. Because we so need him. We want to come into this place. And I just said, God is so wonderful because he knew what we needed. He knew that music could change the atmosphere. Have you ever been driving down the road, hit on Spotify, and a song comes up from when you were in high school or junior high or college or something? It can change your whole outlook on something, right? When I saw Lisa come through third grade, it all brought me back to foreigner, right? Some of the millennials go, who's foreigner? Fleetwood Mac, right? Some of these... Boston, some of this, that just, it can put me back into a place. That's why God said, I want you to praise me. If you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Well, I don't want the rocks crying out before me. So God, I'm with you. I will praise you, God, whether I'm on the mountain or I'm in the valley, Jesus. I will sing these songs to you. Didn't Jesus say through the word, sing a new song to him? Because God knows that when we sing to him, something happens in our spirit. I will confess I've sang by myself in my car. Okay, all right. So we come here to sing. We come to hear his word, to do something with the word. Why? Because we got a world that's lost and crazy and out of control. This world is in a free fall. And you and I are 
bring the message of hope to people who need Jesus Christ in their life. Our destiny, number three, is found by serving others down in the valley in their problems. In their problems. I know that's scary. I know that's uncomfortable. I know that doesn't fit into your schedule. But there's a trusting that we must do when God asks us to climb into somebody else's nightmare. Somebody else's mess. Didn't Jesus come down from the mountain to get involved in this man's mess with his son? And God will show up. He will do something. One of my neighbors, years ago, I looked across. They were newly into the neighborhood. And I saw that there was this cracked. He had this driveway that was all cracked. And he was out there with one of those uh-ohs. Have you ever seen one? Of the, it's a long, like, uh, steel rod. And he was just pounding that thing. And I had places to go. I had things to do. And I saw another uh-oh sitting next to where his fence was. And so I walked over and says, hey, like, real, like, what you doing? Of course I knew what he was doing. He says, man, this is hard work. It's beads of sweat falling off my just before I could even think. And even when I had a wrestling in my mind, I got stuff to do. I got important things to do for you, God. Am I supposed to grab this? Uh-oh, and help this guy? Uh-oh. So I grabbed it, and I just started pounding with him. And I only say that to say this. In that moment, God can show up in me. Soften my calloused, busy heart that I think I'm so important. And hopefully show up in somebody else's life. Oh my gosh, there are Christians really that love people and care. I don't say any of that to lift myself up. I only say that because I struggle with that. But when I do just trust and do it, God comes through his glory, man. It's amazing. Jesus gives us authority to overcome the enemy. He gives you and I authority through his Holy Spirit. Take authority over a situation. Take authority over a problem. Praying against it. Asking God for help. I want to ask you just in in, in, in an action-packed way, God, whether you show up here with your glory or not, I will trust you. I will oil the four corners of my property and we dedicate this home to you, God. I will, I will oil the first uh, foremost part of my child's bedroom in the middle of the night when they're sleeping. And Jesus, touch my child. Fill them with your spirit, God. Give them a hope. Protect them, God. You've been given authority in Jesus Christ. He wants you to step out in it. Why? Because he's with you on the mountaintop and he's with you in the valley. It all comes down to the cross. It all comes down. And Jesus did everything he did because he loves you. And honestly, brothers and sisters, I cannot understand that with my mind. I get a little bit of a glimpse thinking about my boys. When they were little and they would disobey, do something wrong, I still love them. Always love them. If you have not given your heart to Jesus, we want you to do that just because of love. And if you're ready to do that, Jesus, we just thank you for once again reminding us that on the mountaintop and in the valley, even to your death, you never leave us. And God, so much we want those small glimpses of your active presence. Help us to be aware. Help us to not miss it. And God, anyone here today that just, you know what, Mike, I'd like to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my heart. Forgive me, God, for my sins, the things I've done wrong. 
I invite you into my heart. I want to live for you now. I want to follow you now. So help me, God, in every step that I take. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Communion time is a very, very special time just at the end of each service that we want to give you just personal time with God. So in the seat back in front of you, there's a small juice and cup. And that's just simply because there are physical emblems that Jesus gave to the disciples at the Last Supper. And as he passed it out, he said, I want you guys to remember me. So I'm giving you this meal. I want it to be mindful of my body and the blood that was shed for you guys. You guys are forgiven because of this. And can I just tell you that when we take the communion each week, there are moments I don't feel very holy. We were at the Memorial Day service here at Mission Viejo City Hall on Memorial Day. I always like to honor our military and especially so thankful for those that have died, giving their life so we could have freedom. I think it's important we honor them. I saw an admiral and I saw a general sitting on stage. I didn't even feel worthy to step up to where they asked if I'd have a prayer. I'd rather just sit in the front row. But as one of them stepped down from stage stuck out his hand to reach my hand I felt like wow the barrier is gone and that's what Jesus did from heaven he just simply gave his hand to us here on earth and he said here take my hand the barrier is gone so Lord I thank you for this time to remember you to remember what's most important it's you God pray for your active presence to show up Lord every single one of us in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.